Hey, welcome to Calvary. My name is Amy and I serve on the tech team here. Here at Calvary, we want this to be a place where you can come and worship together, get to know God and connect with our community. If you're new here, we can't wait to get to know you. Feel free to message us on social media or text the word hello to 587-323-1199 and we will respond right back. This is a great first step to joining our church family, but it's also about daily personal encounters with God, discipleship, and community. If you want to learn more about our culture here, deepen your relationship with God, and find a small group that you really want to connect with, we'd encourage you to talk to one of our volunteers or staff after the service. We want to let you know what's going to happen over the next hour. First, our band is going to lead us in worship that helps us express our love to God and our affection towards Him. Afterwards, we're going to talk about some things that's happening here right at Calvary. Then one of our pastors will be sharing an encouraging message from the book of Philippians. I'm so glad you're here. Now I invite you to join us as we worship together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to worship together. As we look at your word, God, I pray that it would come alive for us. Holy Spirit, we invite you to manifest your presence. Would you speak to us? And most importantly, God, would you do a transformation in each one of us here today? May your word bear fruit in our lives. And I just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever wondered where your desires come from? Are they simply a reflection of what's true inside and therefore should dictate our choice, choices? What about our emotions? Are they something that, should, that, that we can control or are they an expression of what is deeper inside us and therefore it's in order for us to be true to ourselves, we must allow them to dictate how we express our, ourselves to others, how we do life, perhaps how we interact with our and react to our circumstances. What about our thoughts? Do we actually know where they come from? And are our thoughts things that we can control or do they just dominate us? And what role, quite frankly, does God or the Bible have in, in any of this? What does he have to say about these things? Well, these are great questions. 
If God brings meaning into our life and his word is relevant to our life, then I think as a church, we should be talking about some of these things. Now, last week, uh, I had, I had, if you were here or you fought, were following online, I had mentioned that we were going to be talking a little bit about brain science. Well, I delved into it at length uh, more than I ever have before. Uh, that is a rabbit hole that is really, really deep. And I can tell you that I am fascinated by how God has made our brain so intricately complex. People have been trying to figure out how we think and how the brain works for centuries, and they're still working on it. Like, what does that say about how awesome our God is? Amen. So I got lost. I got way in over my head. I got overwhelmed that when I was putting this message together, I actually realized I just have to leave a lot of it behind. And so if you are, we're really looking forward to that this week, I'm just going to apologize to you right up front. <laughs> I just, I'm never, I'm, I'm not a neuroscientist, although I tried to become one this week. I'll never become a neuroscientist. So let me just say this. As far as some of the things that I understand, our brains can become shaped in either a positive, good quality of life direction or in a negative, toxic, poor quality of life direction. So if we think negative thoughts about our future, perhaps that difficult conversation that you have to have, maybe it's the deadlines ahead of you this next week, that toxic thinking can change our brain wiring toward a negative direction and throw our chemicals, they throw our hormones, and they throw our body into stress. And according to the president of the Harvard Medical School uh, School's Mind Body Institute, that stress affects our body's ability to naturally heal itself, which makes us more susceptible to sickness, to disease, and to infirmities or unexplained pain. In fact, research is showing that 75 to 98% of mental, of physical, and behavioral illness can be influenced by our thought life. That's a lot of sickness and disease. Have you stopped to think about that? Our sickness and the health of our body can be affected by what we think and what we allow to turn and to mull inside. So does it matter what we are thinking? Should we care about these things? Well, the science would say yes. And I want you to get this. We have a choice. Now, you might say, well, that's really obvious, especially during fasting. I notice, ev I think, every single food chain and restaurant out there whenever I drive by them. But we have a choice. We can control our reactions 
to the challenging situations around us. Our reactions. We can't control everything that happens to us, but we can control how we respond. We are not a victim in that sense. We are responsible for how we respond. But I find it fascinating, or what I find fascinating, is that this is not new to God or the Bible. Now, God doesn't go into some of the neurons and the gene strands or the DNA that I was doing a lot of reading about this week, but let's explore, explore a little bit about what the Holy Spirit has to say, and he's actually been saying this for about 3,000 years, literally. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. Jesus said, Mark chapter 7, verse 20, he said, it is, uh, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. You know, a lot of people say that the science, that science and the Bible don't go together. They think that science is opposed to the concept of faith and exposes the fallacy of faith in God. Well, I believe it's just the opposite. I think science merely proves what God has already created. It's just revealing it. And what God has already said, confirming the God of the Bible. Now, thinking has always been a priority to God for us. And in working through conflict with the Israelite people, his people, God said this to them. He said, come now, let us reason together. Now, in other words, he says, let's think this through. Let's process this rationally to make sure that we are thinking Clearly. Listen to this instruction from the Apostle Paul to believers in Rome. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will be able to know God's will for you, which is good, and it's pleasing, and it's perfect. See, there are a number of ways that God um, transforms us, that we are transformed by God. Sometimes it comes, uh, God comes in his power and he changes us in an instant. I've got a friend of mine, a number of friends of mine, who were the moment that they uh, uh, committed their life to Christ, just like these 13 people did, the moment that happened, they were set free from uh, some very controlling addictions in their life and a whole pile of negative thoughts. In an instant, my experience shows that most people, the transformation comes as a slower process through a million small and sometimes tough decisions throughout our week, throughout our day, throughout our life. And that certainly has been my personal experience. There are moments where I have seen God come and he's brought healing, he's brought freedom, but a lot of the work has been those seemingly insignificant minor decisions along the way. 
Sometimes transformation comes through counseling as we cognitively process our experiences. Other times, it comes through the healing ministry of Jesus that I just talked about, where he comes in. We invite Jesus into our painful memories, and he reveals his presence there, and he brings healing from some of the negative emotions that have resulted from that painful experience and how we were treated. And still others, transformation comes by gaining freedom from bondage to sin, sorry, bondage to Satan and his evil companions at work in our life. But did you catch what the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul was saying there in Romans chapter 12? We are transformed Say it out loud. By the changing the way you think. We are transformed by the way, by changing the way we think. Have you ever wondered how you do that? Well, have you ever tried changing the way you think? How effective have you been at stopping statements that keep rolling around your head? I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of love. I'm not really wanted. Or do you have a videotape of memories running through your head that you can't seem to stop? Do you have thoughts of taking your own life that seem to just come out of nowhere? What do you do with them? Have you been able to stop the statements that maybe your parents made and you remember them very clearly? Or maybe it was the yelling at home. Have you ever been able to stop that and get it out of your head? What about the derogatory, the cutting or the belittling words that that person said about you, maybe said to you? You know, maybe you've got a technique that works for you in changing your thoughts about yourself. Maybe you don't. What's it been like changing the way you think about other people? You know, you find yourself thinking the worst of other people's motives? Do you have difficulty not looking down on someone who makes just such poor choices because they're just not as wise, they're not as smart, Maybe they're not as spiritual as you are. That's judgment, by the way. Or maybe it's that you can't help but dwell on the dirt, the juicy stories of other people's mistakes, their weaknesses, and you feel compelled to sell someone else who loves to hear these things. Well, that's gossip. Would you agree that changing how we think is not an easy task. It's tough sometimes. Would you like some tools on how to do that? Well, maybe you've been wondering why it's been taking so long for us to get to our actual text here in Philippians. But it's because our text gives us the secret to change the way we think. 
So this is part three of the series, Overcoming Our Challenges from the Book of Philippians. Pastor Doug explored a couple weeks ago how we do that through prayer and fasting. Last week, we looked at four ways of overcoming, and today, we take another step. Let's look at it now. Philippians chapter four, verses eight and nine. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I just realized I'm reading from a different translation than what you guys got. Sorry about that. Verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. A secret to overcoming our challenges is to dwell on the right things. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, and pure, and lovely, and commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's the key phrase. Think about these things. The Greek word here for think about is it's an imperative. It's a command. It's not just a suggestion. It's not open for options. So anyone who follows Jesus Christ, this is important for us to get. This is a big part of our following of Jesus Christ. And to think on these things is more than just entertaining some thoughts. It means to evaluate, to consider what we're thinking, to calculate, is this a good thought? Should I be dwelling on this thought? Where's this thing coming from? Where would it lead me? The secret to overcoming our challenges is to consider each one of these qualities in this text and then meditate on them. Think about them. Process them. Focus our, our thoughts in that direction. He starts out by saying, dwell on what is true. Although our culture believes that all truth is subjective, especially that tr tr the truth that comes from inside of us, the most concrete foundation for what is true in this life is based on the Bible. For Jesus acknowledges in a prayer to Almighty God that he says, your word is truth. The Bible is true because it is the God of truth who inspired it. So the Bible is the best place to start when seeking to determine, is this thought actually good or not? Should I be discarding this thing? Should I take control of this thought or not? It can help us to determine when comparing what people are saying, what the media says, what our teachers or our colleagues say. Because there's a lot of things that we need discernment. Are we stopping to take a look at our thoughts? Or do we just think, oh, well, they just come and I have no control over them and I don't know what to do with them. In addition to this, if we spend our time thinking about how to lie or deceive the people around us, trying to cover our tracks because of some mistake that we made, or deceive, it, deceive people slightly, changing the facts just slightly to make us look a little better than we actually are, 
The Holy Spirit is saying here, stop. Don't do that. Instead, we need to consider the truth and then how to communicate that. It also means that we need to focus on what is true about other people rather than always dwelling on what other people say about them that may or may not be true. Gossip is so destructive in any relationships or community, and I would say especially church community. Then he writes, dwell on what is honorable. This word refers to things that are noble, dignified, worthy of respect. It comes from the meaning to revere or to worship. So this could include shows that we watch, maybe people that we follow on social media, books we read, or subjects that we like to talk about. If we pass these things through this filter of whatever is honorable, would they be disqualified? For you. Next, Paul writes, What is just? Just here includes those things that are equitable, that are righteous, that are right. It would be things that are in harmony with God's eternal and unchanging standards. Let's keep going. Then, it's pure. This describes, this is described as things that are holy, things that are set apart for God, morally clean, undefiled by sin and evil. This could be sexual expressions that do not honor God, that go against what the Bible teaches. It would be dwelling on the sins of others. dwelling on their sins in such a way that it's, it's intriguing to us. And we want to know more. We want to know more dirt. And then we judge them or condemn them for the things that they're doing. You know, Paul is saying, dwelling on these things will not help us. They will only hinder us. And then he uses a word that I don't use very much in my vocabulary. Um, it's lovely. Just don't use it often. It could be translated that is what is sweet, that is what is gracious or generous or patient. It would be putting on the filter of our thoughts uh, for things that are pleasing, things that are attractive, things that are um, amiable before God. If whatever it is that you're dwelling on, if it would be blocked by this filter, then I'd say it's time to change the subject inside in your brain. Time to think about something else. Next, he says, we are to dwell on what is commendable or worthy of good repute. It's things or it's people that are highly regarded and well thought of. So if we're thinking about things that, are morally, that, that would morally disgust the people around us or that God's people would have concern over us for, then it's probably time again to change the channel inside. Change the subject to something that is highly respected. 
Perhaps this is also, uh, it, it also would refer to when we focus too much on people's mistakes, again, and their weaknesses, and their limitations, and their quirks, instead of thinking of what's good in them. Isn't that hard to do sometimes? Putting these last two together, Paul says we need to dwell, uh, be dwelling on what is excellent and worthy of praise. These things would be about virtues, those things that are morally excellent and good. Anything worthy of praise certainly excludes those things that are contrary to the very nature of God. And it's another reason for us not to only get to know God personally, but to get to know him through his word, which is the greatest revelation of who he is. So, The secret to changing the way we think is to take control of any thought that is negative, anything that is contrary to these eight qualities. Through the Holy Spirit, this is God's secret for us overcoming in the midst of our challenges, no matter how painful they are, no matter how overwhelming they may be. God is saying, We have a choice. And we can actually choose what we think. But that means that we will have to make a choice to stop thinking or to stop entertaining certain thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 10, verse 5 says, we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. This is a great tactic in controlling our thoughts especially those rogue, those false, destructive thoughts that cause damage to us inside. You know, for years, I struggled with thoughts of inadequacy. I struggled with uh, thoughts of unworthiness, that I was a stupid idiot. I was good for nothing, as my dad had called me for years. I didn't know how to get rid of those thoughts. I couldn't stop them running around in my head. And so every time I'd come up to a challenging thing, it would be like, oh, I'm stupid anyway. I don't know what to do. I'm not going to make a good decision here no matter what I try. And when I first thought or was first taught about this verse and how to walk, take this verse and walk in the authority that we have in Jesus Christ, I was blown away. I had no idea that this phrase would be so um, decisively effective for me to combat the enemy and the lies that I had believed for so many years. I still find it true today. Whenever I recognize a thought, I'm looking at it, I'm examining it, a thought that does not honor God, that is not helpful, it is not good. I simply say the phrase, I take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Just say it inside. You can say it out loud. And I am amazed at how quickly that thought disappears. Now, that may not be true for everyone. That may not be your experience when you start to walk in these things, but that has been true for me. And and when I take authority over over that, I take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ, and it's gone. And I start to look around inside. I'm looking for that thought. It's gone. And I'm free to think about things now that are more God-honoring. What a difference it's made in my life. I love that. The Bible is practical. The Bible is helpful. 
You know, I just, I just heard in a conversation this last week about a person questioning whether the Bible has any authority to speak to the issues of today. Well, what do you think about that? In contrast to the damage that our negative thoughts, our toxic thoughts cause within our brain and within our immune system and within our body, positive encouraging and uplifting thoughts bring health to our brain, levity to our emotions, and strength to our immune system. And the science backs this up. So, instead of ruminating on thoughts about how deplorable we are, how unattractive not very smart, maybe unlovable you are. God is saying, take these thoughts captive and meditate on what he says about you, what he says about us, that he has created us beautifully unique, each one of us individually, no matter what anybody else has said in your life. He knit us together cell by cell in our mother's womb. And he loves us profoundly. Or he would have never gone to the cross for you. Instead of feeling overwhelmed by discouragement and despair, we can take these thoughts captive and go to God for his perspective, his view, asking for his hope to birth within us. Instead of whining and complaining about everything that's going wrong in our life, we can, be look, we can begin to look for the good. We can be thankful for that good and express that to God. Instead of allowing suicidal thoughts to dominate our thinking, we start dwelling on how God gave us life. He's given us breath. Our heart is beating. We can think and process and feel. And Jesus came to give us life abundantly. Not just, not just the awful way of living, of having these kinds of thoughts pounding our head all the time, overwhelming us, especially in those moments where we are alone. Stopping the focus on these negative, overwhelming thoughts and these feelings. We can do that. We can meditate on God, who, has created, who he's created us to be, and how he wants to glorify, how he wants us to glorify him through our life. You know, sometimes, sometimes I just think we need to take our eyes off of ourselves and put them onto Christ, stopping these thoughts and putting our thoughts there. You know, instead of focusing on how useless we are, I think someone here is thinking, feeling useless today. If this is you, can I encourage you to explore what Scripture has to say about spiritual gifts? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he has given you a supernatural ability to serve Christ, to serve his church, to serve the people around us in some way. There's not a single one of us that have missed out on that. 
So if this is you, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. If you're feeling useless, then I'd, be, I'd encourage you to go study some spiritual gifts in Scripture. What is it that God has given you? How does he want to fill you with his power and his presence to serve the people around you? That's taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Jesus Christ and then going and doing something about it. One more. You know, instead of just accepting thoughts about our identity, who we are, how we've been made, including our likes and our dislikes, our gender, our orientation, what we're good at, what we're not good at, we can take these thoughts captive We can examine them according to what God says about us and about these thoughts and these things that are are running around inside. And where where the word of God contradicts that thought, we can bring correction. We can say, no, that's a lie. No, that's not true. That's not true about how God has made this world. It's not true how God has made me. It's not the way the world works. I'm going to correct that. I'm not going to believe that. Sometimes we just have to get our eyes off ourselves. Let me say it again. Though Satan and some of the people around us would like to think that our thoughts are an automatic and accurate reflection of who we are, Scripture proves the opposite that we are in control of our minds. We are in control of our thoughts and in control of what we choose to believe. And again, instead of just accepting a thought that comes into our mind, we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. The good ones, the bad ones, the ugly ones, including the ones we just don't understand and we don't know about. We can purposely cultivate the landscape of our mind and we can harvest the thoughts, our our thoughts to make them honor God. Listen to James. Uh, This was another book in the Bible. James chapter one, verse 21 says this. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. That includes what we think. That includes the things that we're dwelling on. And humbly accept the word of God. The word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. You know, our thinking is a part of our soul. He can come and save us from from some of these things. What God is saying is here is that as we read and study the Bible, his word gets planted into our hearts, someplace into our spirit. And that word has the power to save us from a whole pile of mess. So we start making better choices. We can use our minds to rise above our circumstances. And it's not just a possibility that the possibility is there. It is an imperative from the Holy Spirit. Think on these things. Well, we're going to leave the teaching there for now.
But let me just say, if you are someone who is struggling to get a hold of their thoughts, like we've been talking about here, can I encourage you? Come up over to this side. Come up for prayer. We would love to pray for you. We'd love to stand with you. Talk to your small group. Be open with them. Be transparent. This is the stuff I really struggle with, and I can't get a hold of this stuff. Let them stand with you. Let them walk with you. Hold you accountable. Maybe this is the very reason that you would fast this week. Seven days left. Maybe it's just one meal. Maybe it's whatever. We've got a booklet to help you go through that if you want. But maybe this is the very reason because you've got to get a hold of your mind and what God wants to do in your, in your thinking. You know, there is clear work that we have to do, but it is God through the power of the Holy Spirit that does this work in us. And that brings us to the point of being able to obey his word and then bring that transformation to us inside. There is no need for us to struggle in this alone. Let's let the Holy Spirit give us everything we need to honor God with our thoughts. Christian, why don't you come? I want to give us just a few moments to reflect here on some of these things. I don't know what your story's been. I don't know where you've come from. I don't know how hard you have struggled against these things. But I just know that God wants to do a work in your heart. He wants to do a work in your mind. He wants to bring healing to these things to set us free so that our life and the choices that we make will honor him. And I'm thinking maybe, maybe that's the reason why you're here today. Because you want God to be real in your life. That's why you, you took this time. You, you chose to push through the snow and to get here because you know that God, you want God to do a work. So during this time of reflection, I just encourage you to process in just a minute. There's going to be a few questions. Let me pray for you and then we'll sing together. God, I'm so thankful that you, that you are meaningful and that you are very relevant. And so during these moments, Holy Spirit, I trust you've already been speaking to us. Would, would you bring clarity to some of these things? For those of us who are having trouble with our thoughts right now, we can't even, even hardly string two thoughts together in Jesus' name. I speak clarity to our thoughts and to our mind, clarity to our hearts so that we can process these things with the Holy Spirit. I guard this time now by Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.